if I look at um, where we live, we've got a lovely view, but part of the view, I can see lots of like chopped down trees, where trees used to be in like brown, where places like over there, where there's like big brown patches. And I would like it so there's no big brown patches, there's no chopped down trees, and there's more like wild flower gardens and they just let it woods kind of grow wild. Over the last five years, five and a half thousand trees have been felled in Sheffield. That was Mabel and her view of what she wants her garden to look like when she's 19. Welcome to this week's episode, and now the good news on Tree Lady Talks. She's a lady, she's a lady, she's a lady who can help you with a problem with trees. She's a lady, only maybe, if there's a subject to accompany a wall, you're going to find it on the Tree Lady Talk. This week's episode features some of the people who were involved at the front line in this devastation and starts with Christine King, who is one of the co-founders of the Sheffield Trees and Action Group. And it's a good morning to the tree lady. We then go on to focus on what's happening now, which is the good news and how things are really moving forward. This is Tree Lady Talks, and I'm Sharon Durdent-Hollenby. All music and production is by Noel Durdent-Hollenby, and all views expressed by me, all the interviewees are entirely personal. Welcome to Christine King from STAG. Christine, thank you so much for joining us. Tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got involved with STAG. Okay, well, I was still working when it when it all started. What I was noticing was in the paper, there were more and more stories about people going to work and coming by and finding the entire street of, of trees had been felled. And, and it just became obvious that this was something very big. Perhaps something in the star about something called STAG, <laughs> Sheffield Reaction Group. So I found it on Facebook and immediately joined it. So tensions must have been really high then in that time. We're talking sort of 2017, 2018. I'm trying to work out when I joined. I actually, I think I joined in 2015 because the group sought to save our roadside trees which was to say Russell's Road had started and there'd been a camp in Enkler Park and I sort of post-date that it just it just ramped up basically so I started off doing things like putting the yellow ribbons on trees people would read the, the report in the papers and think councillors just say no it's only the dead one it's only the damaging ones it's only the dangerous ones that are coming out so they didn't realize it was their trees that were obviously completely sound and there was nothing wrong with them that were the ones that the council was talking about. So we started putting the yellow ribbons up just so people could understand it was actually 15 trees on their street, ones that they knew had got nothing wrong with them, so as to, to create that impact. But I started off doing things like petitions and rallies and marches and that sort of thing. So what was the, um, the mood of the people on the street? Once you put yellow ribbons on them, which is a really powerful symbol, isn't it? It's, it's down to a song, tie a yellow ribbon around the old oak tree, which was a favourite of mine as a child. Um, what sort of responses were you getting? Well, for some people, they were 
completely shocked and that and that did do what we wanted in terms of bringing it home to people just the scale of it and you could drive anywhere in the city and see and see yellow ribbons but for the people that wanted the trees down the ribbon wouldn't, wouldn't be there you know they'd be t- tearing it off before you'd even turn the corner of the road so they started some some streets they started being put up at night high, higher and higher up so they, where they couldn't reach it's a real polarisation of the people living in the street then. It must have created a lot of tension. That's one of the really bad things. On on the one hand, I know more about the city than I ever knew. And I've got friends across the city. And if I go to anything, event about nature, I'm bound to run into somebody I know. But on the other hand, it, it, it pitched residents against residents. And some streets are incredibly divided. And, you know, even now there are neighbours that are not talking to one another. You spoke about this potentially really tense meeting between Amy Stagg and the council where everybody could say their views but in the end it worked and why do you think that is? I think it worked because because we walked in with equal weight because I think quite often in in local groups in 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 these groups there's the council and they are the funding people and they are the people with the power and they are the people that were making the decisions. But in this case, we we, we strode in like winners. You know? <laughs> you know, we walked in, we, we came in with a lot of confidence. We knew what we wanted to achieve, but we walked in as equals. Now, whether that was because they accepted that that was the position or whether it was just that we walked in and asserted that we were, it it didn't matter. We are we're not supplicants in this partnership. We are equal partners. And when we say something, we're heard. We're really heard. And that's important because we are giving giving the public a voice. What's happening now? Well, it, it started off, if you like, when, when we went into talks in September 2018 with Amy and the council after Amy had offered to pay for the repairs and, and that we'd have a joint inspection where we'd all go out and look and see whether it was possible to save the trees and that they would pay for the repairs. So we started to mend the relationship with Amy at that point because we were going out with them, partly to see what they were doing, but partly as peacekeepers. So if if members of the public came up and, and we're going, oh, you're just felling them again, aren't you? We'd all say, well, actually, no, they're not, and explain what they were trying to do. And also they started telling us where they were going to be on the, in the city with doing tree work so we could, so we knew what was happening. And if they wanted to fell, we'd fell a tree, we'd go out and have a look. So so we could say, well, actually, we went and had a look and this is why they're felling it. and we've gone out a look and we agree with them and so we were trying to mend a relationship where there were a bit more where the amy at least the amy people could go out and actually do essential tree work without getting a lot of abuse um with the council it's been a bit harder it's, it's a, they are a tough and not to crack but in 2019 i think it was we sat down and started to thrash out the street tree strategy which was in, interesting getting ourselves and the council and amy in in the same room trying to do trying to do one one thing and uh, work together and I think everybody was sort of dance was like kind of um tiptoeing around one another at the beginning but we formed actually we formed a good team because council sent a couple of very good people who've got no baggage whatsoever and only it's been a very open debate we could say what we want in the room and everyone could be quite forthright with one another without getting without it getting getting sort of nasty you know it, it's 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 respectful if you like it's, it's very forthright but in the end it's quite a respectful debate and we've really and um, we've really bonded so what came out of those meetings well with the the street tree strategy which has 
a mechanism for assessing whether trees should come out or not. And there's now a cons consultation process, which is on the council website. Although it hasn't got very many responses at the moment because all the felling is ones which are which are dead. So it's, it's an easy one. Yeah. We want to remove this because it's dead, yes or no. And uh, but we've also got a mechanism of adding to the number of trees, which, which is great because the contract is one in, one out. We've got the tree warden scheme. Increases, it means we can assist the Amy tree inspectors in spotting problems. One of the things we'll be trying to do will be to work with residents in terms of watering because one of the problems with this mass tree felling scheme is that it is not possible for Amy to maintain that number of, of young trees, really. They went out and watered all of those, the number of the volume we should be watering all of those trees would be like mm. Olympic swimming pools worth. You know, it's so it doesn't happen. So whether we want those trees there or not, there actually are our trees now. So if we don't look after them. So I guess there's a real feeling of ownership. If you've had a tree felled outside your house and now there's a replacement, I'm guessing that those who really wanted the trees to stay really get actively involved and water the trees. And and do you feel that those members of who got so passionately involved, do you think it might have changed their outlook on nature in general? I, I think it might have. I mean, a lot of the people in the group are involved in other activities. I mean, some of them are ecologists anyway, but, you know, we've we've got the Netheredge group has become a sustainable sort of like transition area. There's, people are into wildlife gardening. People are growing trees and planting trees in their own in their own gardens. It's, it's it has expanded people's awareness of of the need to not just look at nature and say, well, that's that's pretty, you know, and isn't that nice? But to think about how how it's under threat. So I think people are we are all now more aware of the need to do something about it. That's good. And what other activities are there? Do you get together socially? Have there been any activities prior to coronavirus where any tree dressing or art activities or music activities around the street trees? Jarvis Cocker um, organised a concert to raise money for us when we were still during the fight. And there was Start, which was um, Sheffield, it was probably Street Street Art. So, but obviously that's all stopped, but it would be, it would be good to be able to do it. Despite the pandemic, I get the impression that the group has still been active with the Tree Warden Scheme. What do you look forward to in the future for Sheffield Street Trees? More of them and more healthy. I mean, I am one of the Tree Wardens, so we are chatting to one another about about what we're doing. And sadly, we've got things like Ash Dye Bank, so we've got they've already started felling in the uh, in the valleys, parks and countryside. People felling those, so we've got those to think about. I don't know. It's it is just a more active role in 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 looking after them and actually changing people's attitudes because. And this is something I will lay against the council at the beginning because they were determined to bring this thing through. The papers were full of how trees are dangerous. You know, they'll they give your children asthma. They'll trip your granny. You know, they fall on your car. They fall, you know, they fall on your building. You know, we had um, one of the local MPs was kept talking about the canyon effect, which is applicable to just about nowhere in Sheffield and, and, and saying, well, the thing is, you know, you have lots of trees in it and it actually makes air pollution worse. So so we had the council educating people in trees being unhealthy, unhealthy and dangerous. So 
again, with the small trees, there's probably as many failing through vandalism as there is failing through them just dying with this weird drought, downpour, drought, downpour weather we're having. So we've got a lot to do in, in terms of changing people's attitude to them and how we even even now, say it became it's so polarized. Some people are very much connected with trees and the environment and much more so than before because of the fact that we fought for them. And some people are really the other way, you know, I want that thing down because the roots are going to get into my cellar and in my Sky TV is not really good. And it, it drops leaves in my pond. You know, and people are going, leaves, leaves, they're everywhere. It's such a mess. And they're in the gutter and they're on the road and the road's messy, you know, and the pavement's dirty. So just fell them. It's, it's, there is still like that disconnection with, with people. Even though they can drive or walk a short distance and see a street that has been cleared of trees, they prefer the look of that. Yes, well, I've heard, I heard so many times. Listen, I've got nothing against trees. I like trees, but this one's got. If everybody with a tree outside their house has got that attitude, then there aren't any. The other trees are okay because everybody's got one where they're all asserting their right to say, well, this one outside my house, I, I don't want. But I had that a lot with the council's attitude, which was. Um, well, yes, but, but people have got you know, but people have got rights, Christine. You know, like residents, you know, they got a right to because it's outside their house. You know, and you go well, you know, they you know they have a right and opinion. They got a right for it to be heard, and you know, and I said, well, if I've got dominion over the bit of road outside my house, I'd like the speed limit outside my house to be like sixty miles an hour because you know we'll kind of get that too. There's a social aspect of everything. I mean, I live in a terrace house. You wouldn't be able to, you couldn't get from 30 to 60 in the width of my house. But you know what I mean? There are some things where we accept that there's a, a social rule for everything. And that when it comes to trees, it's like, well, I should be allowed to take it down. And do you have any sense roughly what proportion of people are for and what proportion of people are against the street trees? Or is it much more nuanced than that? I, ge- I genuinely don't know. You see, the the... The household survey that they put out, which was just to streets where they wanted to fell trees, which was so bad a statistician described it as a denial of democracy, were on those streets was coming was coming out about 50-50. I'd say it was a very poor survey. So I genuinely don't know because there are people who seem to think, and again, this was because of things the councillors said, well, they're nice in parks, but you know, there's no there's no place for them on the street. You know, and any and anyway, um, I want to park my car there. Okay, I'm finding this absolutely flabbergasting. I mean, I realise I've obviously got one point of view. I love trees, and there's no but. Um, but I'm finding this really illuminating that still a significant proportion of the general public who are entitled to their view. Everybody's different, and that's one of the beauties of the human race. But the fact that they could walk or drive to see some an area with no trees and prefer that compared to an area with trees teaches me about how biased I am about treescapes. But then if I feel that, I would say that we've got so much overwhelming evidence of the value of trees ecologically, in terms of ecosystem services, and in terms of the value of properties, the fact that study after study has found that um, streets with mature trees on them, the individual houses are worth more money. 
I'm speaking personally that I've got to get my head round the fact that some people, despite all of that evidence, still prefer the no tree option or celebrate the diversity of thought. I'm really shocked that you're having to deal with this every day and credit to you, Christine, for, along with the other members of STAG, just working so hard in your free time to make this such an important national issue that has been quite a game changer for councils around the country. It's seen as a benchmark of how not to do it and and now there's a lot of good news about all the great stuff that's happening. You should be congratulated about that. Thank you. We're proud of that. We're proud that we made trees newsworthy because they just weren't but we managed to make them newsworthy and then local newspapers started reporting what was happening in their areas and people's protest groups either some people created protest groups and some some protest groups already existed but now they could get their story in the paper and the whole thing develops into something where people are looking and saying well this is not just Sheffield it's happening everywhere and the scale of it is massive and then it's a lot harder for people to think well this this isn't this isn't a butterfly effect anymore it's like a thundering great hugely enormous butterfly Stag got on the one show and there was national media coverage and for listeners who really want to follow this story go to the Stag that's S-T-A-G website and there's an excellent timeline on there so I urge listeners to just have a look at the history of what happened with lots of images but um, I'm so pleased now that there is a tree warden scheme and all the benefits that that brings and there is still togetherness amongst those who love the trees and it uh, sounds like exciting times ahead, very beneficial. We're, we're still going, we're still going. We, uh, I've sort of diversified a bit now. So. so the work that Stag has done has really brought about a great result for trees. Have you, as an organisation, been sharing your experiences and top tips with similar organisations around the UK? Um, yes. <laughs> yes, in a word, yes. And what's happened is that people have, people join STAG, the Facebook group, in order to ask ask for advice. You know, we've offered tips on you know, MBDA, but also things like freedom of information requests and different aspects of things like the wildlife. We all became a lot better at the law. And, and in fact, it was one of the things that the police used to say the when it came to the injunction which we successfully managed to get around on a number of occasions was that the police would come and they used to say or you say well actually uh you know the law better than we do sort of thing so we, we we knew exactly how far to push it and the people who were breaking it knew knew whether they were doing it or not that we pushed the thing as far as we possibly could so we were all you know became versed in the wildlife act injunctions highway acts all of those things i'm now part of the Save Our Trees National Tree Protection Forum, which is bringing together lots of lots of different groups. And, you know, we're thinking about things like cheat sheets, like quick ways of saying, these are, these are the things you think about. These are the laws applicable to certain situations because it's different according to who was owning the land, for example. You know, like kind of quick, way, quick ways to get started. And anyway, I'm I'm see, I'm just sad that this thing is still dragging on. I'm still involved in in Sheffield Street trees, and it's really annoying, you know, because I'm getting older and older. You know, I could have been being dragged out of a tree on the HS2 line, but I'm still doing this. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, where do you go next on the HS2 line? 
Yeah, I'm really, I'm really quite annoyed with Sheffield City Council for dragging the feet so much. You know, I could be, be somewhere else now. So, Christine, you really have been involved with this for a number of years now, giving your free time, helping others. It's been really difficult and at times potentially dangerous. What drove you? Well, um, I, I've always loved trees, you know, like literally as a child, <laughs> literally actually a tree hugger. And trees and nature and the environment, you know, my holidays were rambling holidays. I, I need to be in the mountains or in the woods or, or, or by the sea. And, you know, I need to be near nature. So the destruction of that was was awful and it is like a, a physical pain but the other thing was the lies it's unjust it was just unjust and i can't stand unfairness so you know i so i felt i had to do something about that you know at the beginning people who were well-meaning you know they were only trying to help me from take me from being hurt we used to say well you you can't win you know it, you know it's it's council you, you can't win and and i used to say well I might not, but I can't not have tried. The thing that angers me about the way the council acted, not and um, not just about the environmental destruction, was about their pride and arrogance and the way they just became entrenched and just intensified their aggression towards people. There are still people now that on on Stag that will be saying there's a crew and they come to fell a tree you know they're at it again they started and it's not happening but it's because it's like a it's like a form of ptsd and that's the thing the council is not really understanding because they people are asking for an inquiry and people are asking for an investigation and people are trying to uncover the truth and they're saying oh what you need to do is you need to move on but the reason people are not moving on is because it's an emotional thing on on our side it was pain and anger and and despair and fatigue and getting up in the morning thinking other people are going to work thinking you know what will the day be like will it be a good day will we stop them or will a tree come down will one of my friends be arrested you know how's the day going to go you know i'm going to i'm going to be giving my details to the police it was an incredibly restful time because the council would not back down but as i've stepped away from that personally i'm realizing that actually it was a really bad time for Amy as well, because it didn't matter whether they were laying pavements or cleaning the streets or anything or doing some some tree work they needed doing. They were having a really stressful, bad time. People who were completely innocent of it were having a really stressful time. And people in the council, everybody hated the council. It didn't matter what your job was. Everybody hated the council. You know, somebody's worked really hard on a project and they get and they get funding. And they're really happy about it. And then people, it's like, you know, well, we found money for that then. We can't find money for this. You know, so there's this, this, so this grinding and pain. And that's what makes me really angry about the council because they've damaged so many people across the city from all of the organisations, not just Stag. And they could have stopped it years ago. Christine King, thank you so much. Thank you. Take care. Well, if you really want to go out on a walk, or if you're stuck on a cruise liner in New York And if it's people we can't see while in this virtual reality You may as well download an episode of Archie Lady Talks Marvellous, yes. Marvellous idea Darren, thank you so much for joining us no, Thank you for inviting me, Sharon 
Darren, tell us a little bit about yourself and your role. Well, my role has recently changed because uh, up until January, I was the account director responsible for the Sheffield, Sheffield Streets Ahead project involving all the highways, the trees and uh, the infrastructure across Sheffield. I've actually recently left Amy's employment, although I'm still a freelance to Amy, just looking at the Street Tree Partnership and a couple of small bespoke projects for them as well. What are you working on now with Sheffield Street Trees? So I've been fortunate enough over the last uh, couple of years to be working uh, with a number of partners on the Sheffield Street Tree Partnership, looking at the, uh, the strategy for Sheffield Street Trees. So that was under the chair of Liz Bollard with partners from the Woodland Trust, Stag, uh, Christine King and Paul uh, Selby joined us on that as well. And it's been great. You know, we've uh, we've got ambitious and uh, exemplary strategy going forward. Um, Liz has made sure we've kept to time and to task. And made yeah. sure we've got some real actions in there that we'll take forward. And I think as the, uh, the strategy gets published in the coming weeks, we then move into delivery. Unfortunately, uh, my, my work then with Amy will probably be done in the partnership, unfortunately, but it's been great to be involved up to this point, considering the, uh, the past and where we were. So this strategy is going to come out very shortly. So um, oh, yes. we'll yeah. look out for the links of that, listeners. We'll put it on our show notes. So tell us about the key actions from the tree strategy. What do you hope to achieve? I think one of the key actions that we have achieved already is uh, the introduction of a tree warden scheme. So we've now got 40 tree wardens across Sheffield. They're the eyes and ears, if you like, of, uh, for the street trees in Sheffield, making sure that they report any you know, immediate hazards to us directly, to our OCR at Sheffield, so that we can deal with them immediately with a, an arboricultural team. But also just taking interest in the trees, you know, sharing uh, information with residents, sharing information and best practice across the, you know, individuals, across the, uh, the tree wardens, and getting involved with the tree inspectors as well. So... We did have a session a few weeks ago uh, on a Saturday where 25 joined us, a bit of a tree ID quiz and uh, a bit of joy learning, but also just, just trying to have a catch up, really, see where we were, looking at um, some of the projects they might be able to get involved in. So we're looking at Ash Dieback, and we've got some issues with Phytophthora across Sheffield around the lime trees, and we've got uh, Sooty Bark as well that you know one of the arb inspectors is asking people to look out for as well. So... There's plenty to get involved in, and that's you know just on the street trees. You've already had a chat with Catherine, and we hope the tree wardens will branch out, if you like, excuse the pun, into parts and countryside and other parts of the city as well. So that'd be great. And uh, it's taking that passion that uh, came from the dispute, really, and, and pretty, you know, and continuing to have that involvement with people and the community uh, on the street trees, which is great. I mean, tree wardens are such a great scheme and if if listeners want to find out more you can go to the tree council website and find out all about tree wardens i ran a scheme many years ago and um it's so great to have such a mix of people out there looking at trees and each person brings their own unique skill set as well and i think as 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 foresters and arboriculturalists we have our own mindset but when you have a member of the public who's who may be really interested in social media or might be really interested in history, uh, landscape history, all of those different skills and talents come into the group. And it really adds value to how we can think about and look after our, our tree stock. And obviously being the eyes and ears out there as well, they're looking at damage and vandalism and other things and reporting it to us, which is great because... We can't see it all all the time. And some of the smaller stuff, you know, just the watering in the summer. We've not had much of a summer yet, but 
yeah, last year we did, and you know, we're hoping the tree wardens get involved in watering and, and minor maintenance as well of the street trees. And it's also it's that ongoing training as well, which is really important. It's, it's a sort of a social bonding, reassurance, and a bit of learning as well. It's it's quite a commitment, isn't it, for a local authority? Well, it's quite a yeah. It's obviously, this one's being coordinated through Amy and the Streets Ahead project, so uh, rather than through the authority. And uh, it'd be great. I think COVID has really put us back a little bit. Hopefully, as restrictions lift, we can get out and start meeting people face to face. What about identifying where to plant trees? Well, obviously, on the Streets Ahead project, we're, we are limited to uh, to the highway, and uh, it's not always the best environment for the trees. Contractually, we're bound um, to replace on a one-for-one basis. So for any tree that is taken out, we do replant and we have to make sure that's successfully established as well. The street tree strategy obviously challenges a little bit in some of those actions. And you saw the draft version that came out last year for consultation was looking at you know, redistribution of some of the trees across Sheffield. You know, there are areas where there are very few trees. So hopefully we can see that canopy get spread more um, even across the city over time. We're also looking for community involvement as well in, um, in looking at some of the funding of tree planting in the future. And that hopefully it'll be one of the actions that come out very shortly. We had an eye tree study carried out recently as well to identify sort of areas of, of higher tree cover and lower tree cover. That's always helps as well. Well, it's a fantastic report, to be fair, Sharon, if you get the opportunity to look at it. And again, um, that's available on the Treeconomics website, which I will put a link to on the show notes. But that's really good to have that baseline information. What about species? Have you any particular objectives about what types of trees you might plant? Are you aiming for uniformity and an avenue approach or are you after a real wide range of species? I think it's all about diversity, really, in the future. It's not about, you know, it'd be great to be able to create some of these avenues and the historical uh, Victorian avenues that we have. You know, there are an awful lot of avenues across Sheffield. You know, the big challenge will be in the future years is how you manage those avenues as well. Uh, obviously, with ash dieback and other pests and diseases now around the city as well, you know, we've got to be mindful of not having that uniformity, making sure we've got the diversity and the resilience in the tree stock. So we do use TGAD as, a, as our guide. Being, having that baseline data as well from the iTree and all the uh, data that we've got held in our management information system, we're able to look at the diversity of our species and try and some of those actions in the strategy is look at widening that that diversity rather than reliance on particular cultivars and species and genus. Single species avenues are really beautiful and they can define a sort of landscape character of a part of a town. But I think we have to move away from that with the pressures of urban living and climate change and, and therefore more pests and diseases. And um, today I driven through Hackney, which I do quite a lot. And Hackney is an arboretum. It's a street tree arboretum where, you know, I saw Corners Cousa next to uh, Liquid Ambar, you know, just looking absolutely stunning. And I think this is a new way. Any thoughts about community engagement with the planting? Or is it that the street trees will be such a size that that's not possible? We, we hope that uh, it is possible. Obviously, we've had some involvement um, last year. Uh, Christine King actually joined us uh, to do some planting on Western Road, which was great as part of the partnership and uh, joined National Tree Week as well. So that was good. Obviously, we're planting a reasonable-sized tree. Uh, you know, there are extra heavy standards that are going in the highway. It is sometimes difficult, particularly in the highway environment, to get people involved. Um, but And also COVID has restricted really hugely over the last year. But... Hopefully with our tree wardens and hopefully branching out into that the parts and countryside, 
it gives them greater scope to get involved in tree planting. And Catherine would have spoken to you from Sheffield City about trying to promote you know, that community involvement. And the other thing about having a really good street tree strategy is that it also sets boundaries about tree pruning, doesn't it? These sort of things do need to be managed appropriately. Are you looking forward to sort of having that written down and out there in a general public's view about what you will and will not reasonably do? Yeah, and I think obviously the strategy is looking forward uh, and the streets have projects, so it's uh, it's really looking long term. And then in addition to that, obviously Sheffield City Council is updating the website, but also some guidelines around tree management as well. So, yeah, the do's and don'ts, um, critically, because obviously we don't prune for leaf or fruit, uh, light, uh, and many other things as well. So those guidelines will certainly be uh, you know, extremely helpful when pointing the public in what we do and don't do. Have you been planting any trees recently in the last sort of six months or so or during this winter? Oh, yeah, the streets ahead was really busy planting over the winter. Yeah, absolutely. Any idea roughly how many? I don't want to put you on the spot. But it's generally four or five hundred a year they're planting. And do you have any problems with vandalism? I think every city has uh, problems with vandalism, unfortunately. Uh, streets ahead is responsible for making sure those trees establish. So if they are vandalised, we have to go back and replant them again. So what we do on the second time is apply mesh guards or if our local knowledge and intelligence tells us that it's a highly likelihood of uh, vandalism, we will put some uh, protection measures on them in the first place. In the 18 months that you were working with the partnership, did you as a forester learn something new about trees? Oh, I think, yeah, I think we, we continue to learn, don't we? And uh, I think what's been really great is, uh, is those relationships. Uh, we've We've been quite open we've been uh, challenged with each other but you look at the data and you've already mentioned the uh, the iTree report you know, some of that's fascinating stuff that uh, they came up with the calculations and uh, obviously we're looking at cavat valuations of trees now as well as uh, the eco benefits as well excellent excellent any thoughts on putting labels on trees such as saying I'm worth this much money or I sequester this much carbon <sighs> I think it's always difficult, isn't it, with, with tree and labelling of trees. I think, you know, I always think it's valuable to put labels on trees in terms of species. My career actually started at the Western Bird Arboretum, so I'm very familiar with labels on trees. I think there is some, there's some value to putting that sort of information out in the public domain, whether it needs to be a label or whether you can do it in a different way of some app, maybe. We're looking at uh, alternative mapping software at the moment because, obviously, uh, with the tree wardens is how we get them to interact. So maybe it's something that could be done on the tree map. Would that tree map be available for the general public as well? Well, that's, I think that's the ultimate aim, but uh, at the moment is just selecting the right software. Amy has um, Confirm, so we manage all our assets across the highway in, uh, in Confirm. So we shall see. This all sounds really exciting. So imagining 10 years' time, how do you think the work of this project is going to change or enhance Sheffield? I think critically, what it will do immediately is uh, have greater engagement with the wider public. So through the strategy, we've now got a new decision-making process for any trees that are identified for replacement. So it goes out to consultation uh, locally and wider as well, so people can get involved looking at why the tree is being replaced. Um, asking the questions and hopefully all the information will be on the website anyway, why that tree has been replaced. And also what the replacement species is. So there's an opportunity really to feed back. You know, we talked about diversity. You know, we may not have all the answers. And perhaps someone's got a better uh, species that we should be selecting. Having that public involvement for the, for the tree wardens as well. I hope that scheme 
really does thrive over the coming years and, and we get more people involved. At the moment, we seem to have a good population of people in the southwest and, and going up through the city, but there are parts of the city where we have less engagement. And I hope over the next uh, few years, we see much wider engagement there as well. I hope now the stepping stones are there and uh, it goes on to great success. Excellent. It really is about how the community feel about their trees and um, good tree care as well. It's so linked. Um, Darren, thank you so much for your time. My pleasure. That was Darren Butt. Hit the subscribe button to guarantee you don't miss an episode and you can follow us on... Twitter at the Tree Lady 67 Instagram, Tree Lady Talks. Facebook, Sharon Hosgood Associates. Or send an email to noel at treeladytalks.co.uk. And next, it's Catherine Nudgens. Catherine, tell us a little bit about yourself and your background. Um, well, I've worked in with Trees and Woodlands for um, many years now. Um, I started off in environmental education, volunteering about 1999, um, working in, in Leeds. Um, but uh, more recently, I moved to the council and I've worked on lots of different projects, helping people access um, the, the heritage woodlands in Sheffield and, you know, lots of different things, including forest schools and, um, you know, all kinds of building dens and lighting fires. Um, and I've worked on a lot of heritage projects as well. Um, some of the, the old grinding mills in Sheffield and the restoration of them. Um, but then I got the opportunity to be a tree officer, which was great, and um, trained up um, in, with an arboricultural diploma. Um, and then worked as a tree officer for, for four years. And then I became, in November 2019, um, I became community forestry manager, which is great because, you know, I've, I've always enjoy working with people. I love working with people, you know, if we've got we've got an ambition to do something and, you know, all the great people in Sheffield that are doing things, there's so much going on. And it finally gives me the opportunity to join up kind of the 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 tree side of things, the, the tree officer and the arboriculture with, you know, having a plan, you know, working with people to make a plan come together and things. So so it, so it really suits me down to the ground to being community forestry manager. Um, it's really exciting. That's fantastic. So as community forestry manager, you obviously manage your own woodlands. Tell us about what type of woodlands you have within Sheffield. Well, I'm part of the trees and woodlands team in Sheffield so we've got um we've got three woodlands officers that, that manage um some of the woodlands now Sheffield is an extremely wooded city um kind of left over from the time when um when the steel industry was just beginning and a lot of the woodlands were used for the production of charcoal um and that kind of carried on right from the medieval times right up to now um, so we've, I can't remember how many exactly I should really remember this, but we've got we've got hundreds of woodlands in Sheffield and quite a lot of extensive ancient woodlands. And it wouldn't surprise me if Sheffield in, in the country has more ancient woodland than, than anywhere else, because a lot of these woodlands were handed over to the city. They were part of large estates and then handed over oh. um, in about the 20s and things. So so our biggest woodlands are Exel Woods, um, which is the biggest um, ancient woodland in South Yorkshire but then there's 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 loads dotted around the city um now um I mean as part of our quite extensive trees and woodlands team you know my role is is to create new woodlands but I work 
you know, alongside the tree officers and the woodlands officers to make sure that 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 we're doing, you know, that we're doing the right thing and we're working with that ancient woodland legacy so that we can we can you know create more canopy cover in in Sheffield as it as it were. So it's um yeah so I don't directly kind of manage the woodlands but I do you know I, I do keep you know keep talk to my colleagues and things and make sure that we're doing everything together. So tell us about all the different pressures on the woodlands. Presumably there's a strong pressure for recreation um, near the city, but is that in conflict with the nature conservation value? And, and I wonder how that might be managed. Um, I think, I mean, it's interesting because because uh, some of Sheffield is out in the Peak District and a lot of that is plantation woodlands. But as time moves on and, you know, some of that woodlands harvested, then they're being turned over to amenity woodlands. So there's things like mountain biking and things that happens in Lady Cannings. Um, and then they kind of move over to somewhere like Ecclesall Woods, which is deciduous amenity woodland and always has been. And then we've got um, the Woodland Discovery Centre that hosts craft courses and hosts lots of weddings there. And um, yeah, there's always different events and kind of woodland based, oh, not, not necessarily woodland based, but lots of, you know, people that come and come and visit there and have a cup of coffee and, you know, walk around the woods. Um, but in some of our, um, you know, some of the areas up in North Sheffield that traditionally was the old steel, you know, if you think the full Monty kind of thing, there's actually a lot of ancient woodland there. And what's interesting about those areas is that they have, they're actually quite undisturbed because although people walk their dogs and, you know, they're, they're kind of amenity woodlands in that way, they are kind of left. They're not busy woodlands like Ecclesall Woods. They're, they're left and so have the most fabulous bluebells that are just, finishing off now um and it's really nice to be part in part that's not you know it's not a kind of you know place with huge houses and you know very affluent it's it's the proper working part of the city but you still in Sheffield have access to to these amazing woodlands that must have been so important during lockdown for people on their daily walk I mean did you see a real increase in sort of footfall? We really did. I mean, my local woodlands, to me, um, Gleadless Valley Woods, um, it's been interesting because years ago I started on kind of woodland play and trying to get more children into the woods. And and there, the, the woods, although they're ancient in Gleadless, they were seen as kind of scary places and, you know, of antisocial behaviour. And what's been nice is that they are, suddenly visited by everybody because everyone what can we do what can you do over lockdown but go for a walk and so it's raised the profile and the value in people's minds about of these woodlands people are spontaneously litter picking them kind of things that are perhaps not working quite so well in woodlands like say you know storm water and things like that are being highlighted and tackled issues like fly tipping that have gone on for years and years suddenly are being kind of again raised up and you know people say well we need to do something about this and I think I think that's what's you know quite heartening for me is to see these woodlands that I've always felt are so valuable and so important suddenly being kind of brought into the you know the public eye and you know that local people are engaging with their woodlands and people feel that it's their wood, you know, it's their local patch. And if they feel that in their heart, then they'll start taking care of it, you know. So, I mean, have you had a problem with antisocial behaviour? Um, has that increased or decreased in the pandemic? 
So there's been a lot of problems, um, you know, with path degradation just from the amount of people visiting. And there has been antisocial behaviour, you know, where you get a lot of problems with motorbikes and things like that. And, you know, that anyone that, you know, works in woodlands in a city gets. But then on the flip side of that, you do have the, you know, greater engagement in woodlands and, you know, uh, that that greater value. As, as far as the sustainability point of view is concerned, I think that that, that engagement probably outweighs the, the difficulties we've, we've had. So in your role as community forest manager, you really love to work with people. So tell us about some of the projects that you've been working with and, and what type of person gets involved. Well, community forestry has been going for in Sheffield for about 20 years. And, and the main role is to plant trees with people if you had to boil it down to the simplest thing. So you boil it down in a saucepan. What is a community forester? It's somebody who plants trees with people. But you do more than that as well, don't you? It's been a busy time because I, I started in role in 2000, November 2019. And, you know, from being a tree officer where, you know, you're looking at trees and, you know, you're managing risk and all that sort of stuff, suddenly it flips over into working with communities and finding space to plant. There was me and one other person who was agency staff who was part time. And we both started at the same time. So so we had this kind of like, oh, what do we do? It became evident to me that, you know, there, there's a commitment in Sheffield to, as part of our trees and woodland strategy to plant 10,000 trees a year. And then plus on top of that, we have all, our commemorative tree scheme that community forestry has always managed. Um, but it was quite a challenge to to think, well, how do we do that with just me and half a person who currently is, is agency staff so so the first thing was to get the planting for 1920 sorted out and what was great is that there were um, there was a group called kids plant trees who were, had already been working with the cre- previous community forestry manager and helped identify some sites that they had that community involvement in already and they they wanted to plant um, so we worked with them um, and they, I mean, it's really useful to have someone who is outside of a council, a community project that can help raise awareness and, you know, the publicity side of things to bring people in. We had about 100 people come and plant trees in, you know, in, in this manor playing fields, which was um, a kind of, you know, a, a large sort of park where it was quite quiet. It was part of a SUD scheme. And then um, on Bowl Hills, which is another park in the city which is not a very large it wasn't a very large scale planting but we had about 200 people turn up for that we, we ran out of trees to plant in the afternoon. it was just it was so it was it was amazing I was like well this is good you know this is a good start because people clearly want to plant trees everyone wants to do it you know it's 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 really great to have that engagement and we need to capture this enthusiasm and kind of channel it into the the right places anyway that plant that planting was on march 14th 2020 so so, and i never never went back into the office again after that oh right yeah so kind of from that point that i mean i think all of us in lockdown when it first started were you're a bit kind of you know you're not able to access your it or you know or anything at least it gave me a chance to sit down and think well what do we need to do in community forestry you know how how can we do things and I think 
linking with um linking with some of the stuff that was going on around street trees because obviously Sheffield and street trees which you know has always been a separate department from parks and countryside so you've got the highways department that manage the trees and the tree officers there and then Amy itself that you know who who manages the contract but things had kind of gone in the right direction and they were putting together um, in conjunction with the wildlife trust and various other tree officers from around the country and um, other sort of relevant partners to put together a street tree strategy. They were going to publicise the strategy so people could consult on it. And I thought, well, why not have, we'd usually have an event in July, we'll we'll have a Sheffield Tree Week. So we put together an online event so we can still talk to people and communicate and they could do a webinar. And, and then also, you know, with all the other sort of, I suppose, tree connections around the city, bringing kind of artists and so I talked a bit about community forestry talked a lot about ash dieback which is a big issue in Sheffield at the moment um all tree related issues you know some artistic some more arboriculturally based and it was great actually I mean it was great to have you know to be able in a way with lockdown to have the time to pull everyone together and but what that did was it also enabled me to link up with the Woodland Trust a little bit more and access some funding because one thing that become very evident is that you know we in order to do things in a way you know in the best way we possibly can we would need to bring in that funding to to have the people that we need to work with people so that we can plant trees well I mean I heard of it and I don't live in Sheffield so it reached beyond the county um in terms of the tree planting with people what type of people come along it does appeal to a, a large sector of society. I think, you know, over lockdown, people are more aware about of the, the value of nature and the environment more than ever before. I mean, we do have groups that have spontaneously, uh, you know, come together in Sheffield. There's, there's obviously there's kids plant trees, but there's things like Abbeydale Street Trees, who are a community group that are moving quite quickly to help plant along one of our roads in in Sheffield and and I suppose they're the you know I suppose the kind of middle class areas where people perhaps have the time but it's it's not to say that there's other people like in you know more I suppose traditionally working class areas that want to create orchards we've got one of the projects that hopefully we'll we'll get going soon which is a, a large what used to be a playground but is fenced off and we want to make it into a an orchard I think it's a, a focus for me as well in that I'd like to see it to be citywide. I think that's really important because when you look at some of the eye tree studies, when they're cross-referenced with areas of deprivation, there is a common theme throughout the world, from what I hear, that the most affluent areas are the greenest. And yet everybody needs the benefits of trees. And I really love the idea of, of planting a community orchard in an area that is traditionally working class. I mean... You know, get involved, go and help yourself to the fruit at the end of the day. It's it's about meeting everybody's need and making it really, well, what they call green equity. So that sounds fantastic. And we've talked a lot about planting the trees. So you've got people out in the winter getting mud on their boots. Do you have groups getting involved with the maintenance of those trees or is that done by a contractor? No, we do. I mean, the, what's been useful, actually, the, the funding that we've got in from the Woodland Trust has allowed us to be quite flexible and try things out. So, I mean, actually, this week we're due to work with 
the school um, to go and wood chip, to go and mulch all our little whips. Um, you know, and, and I know <laughs> from experience, there's nothing that children like better than barrowing around wood chip because it's light and you can feel like you're doing loads. It smells good. And, and I think also the education around that and the understanding, the benefits of, of helping people understand that it's more than just tree planting. The, the point is, is that, you know, once you put the trees in the ground, that's not the end of the story and that they need to be nurtured into being, you know, sustainable canopy cover. And, you know, and also that long term engagement is beneficial for people, first of all, to have some ownership of of what they've done and that, that you know, their their efforts have helped create that woodlands. Do you have groups getting involved with coppicing or carrying out any conservation tasks within your existing woodland? At Exel Woods, they have um, the SWEEP team, which is an acronym that I can't remember what it stands for. But they they are a group of volunteers that go out and do quite a lot of um, coppicing and, you know, path restoration and, and trying to, you know, trying to keep the the heritage nature of the woodlands you know still apparent so you know things getting trees coppiced and you know maintaining things archaeological sites such as um cupids which kind of dips where they used to make um, something called white coal for lead smelting um but making sure they're not getting damaged and and all that kind of thing and also um i mean it's something that's on our list to do there's lots of things to do it would be nice to do that a bit more extensively and look at things like formative pruning. So where, you know, where there's whips that, um, you know, that have grown up to an extent, which we have actually got from previous years of community forestry. We've got quite a lot of young woodlands, but getting those woodlands in a state that is the best state that they can be. If we've got people that want to do it, then which we will, which I'm absolutely sure we will have. But, you know, we can put together those groups to learn about formative pruning. So presumably you're not only getting trees planted, but you're kind of affecting people's lives as well, perhaps sparking a new passion and uh, helping their physical and mental health. Do you have any sense when you're getting involved with this planting that it has a real beneficial effect on the people taking part? One thing I think, especially for children and young people, is there's a real anxiety around climate change and, and things, you know. And, and and I think you don't have to be a young person or or a child to to be anxious about it and think, well, what can I do about it? And feel a bit helpless in it. it's a global issue and you're just one person. But but doing something like that where you're making a difference, you're doing something positive. We did actually manage to get out and do one school planting in lots of sort of in December as a tiny window where we were able to get out and just enjoyment of the children to be out there and to be using the tools and be in the earth and get muddy and you know and and put the trees in, but also all the other distractions that come with digging a hole, you know, the worms and finding a piece of pottery. We found a little spring coming up. <laughs> there's, there's all sorts of there's all sorts of benefits, you know, that aren't just, oh, well, you know, it's a tick box. I've planted six trees today. Yeah, I mean, that's good. But you planted six trees and you found some worms and, you know, so-and-so fell over and it was really funny. And, you know, and all all that, all that is so valuable, I think, for, you know, for helping people, you know, get out and be physical and just feel better. Definitely. So what's next for Sheffield Forest Management? We have a lot planned. So 
And tree vitalised money and funding from Trees for Cities as well has allowed us to recruit um, a team of four. So we'll have four part-time tree uh, community foresters. Um, plus, we've been working in partnership with the Wildlife Trust and we've got two uh, um, urban forestry trainees that are studying a level four arboriculture. So that'll make us seven. We've got a whole list of, of projects on the go. So that so we're, we're working in conjunction with the natural flood management team to put quite substantial whip planting in some of our rural valleys that we've got quite a lot of in Sheffield, a lot of steep-sided valleys. We've got the community orchards. There's other links in the community. I say kids plant trees and things and ways in which we can kind of do interesting things around ancient woodlands and it'd be great if we could get a lovely tree nursery in Sheffield that was all locally sourced and it'd be good it could happen but we just need the million pounds so so it's got lots of money you know we've we've got the ancient woodland tree you know seed sources and things and we've got the land to put a tree nursery on I'd like an education centre as well and that's a bit pie in the sky but also just mapping I think and and getting it right because the main thing is to be driven by kind of aims and aims and objectives you know that that we're doing it for for people you know for physical and mental health so making sure that people are happy where the trees are going but also that we're not just planting trees or we'll you know we'll just stick a tree in a field and it's like what is that tree for you know is it flooding is it climate change is it pollution is it you know, is it biodiversity, biodiversity, you know, networks and things. It should hit a number of those those targets. So kind of working out how all of that works and mapping out the whole of Sheffield. Interestingly, in Sheffield, the less affluent areas are actually still got as high, if not higher tree cover than the affluent areas. Because it's kind of those industrial areas that have got those big patches of woodlands. The parklands actually is is based in those areas whereas the the big villas with their big gardens kind of have less part of this all the all the trees are private in those in those areas but there's an awful lot of different things to to consider um but having a team that can get out and deliver you know what we've got planned in the immediate um future so the community orchards and the the trees is great but then ongoing kind of looking at how it will work and you know what's the best way of doing things and you know can we extend it out to to other people with their own fields that would like to plant trees in the moorlands it's all peat there um and it wouldn't be advantageous to to plant trees on on those areas i mean it's not just there but but finding ways where you know there's some clough planting going on up there but there might be ways that we can integrate a, a smattering of trees or help restore habitats around there but we need to look into it all of these things need to be considered carefully um so that we're making it better and we're not you know we're not encroaching into other important habitats sounds like an enormous job to do that's going to go on and on being so fruitful and finally Catherine, what's your dream scenario over the pandemic we've all become very aware of a virus and a pandemic and how it all works wouldn't it be great if we can help people understand the way that trees and and woodland ecosystems work in that you know people have know that it's nuanced that you can't plant trees everywhere but equally that trees are really important and really valuable and for some people you know they are almost part of their family they're like a pet you know and getting the balance right of of how we do that, I think, is 
is important but without that knowledge within the public you know it becomes it becomes more difficult to do so if we can try and spread a kind of informed love of trees um throughout the city then you know that would be that would be really really fantastic and then hopefully people would you know they plant trees and look after them spontaneously and I do myself out of a job. <laughs> <laughs> well, Catherine, that's been absolutely fascinating. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much, Sharon. Welcome to Sarah Shorey. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Sarah, tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got involved with trees and your role for the Woodland Trust. I think my role for the Woodland Trust is perhaps slightly different to to many people's and I I came to trees in a slightly roundabout way but for a long time I've been a personal passion and I've spent my time walking in local woodlands. Um, I live in Sheffield and I absolutely love the city for its green spaces and for its trees and it's the reason I chose to come and live here. Uh, We're one of the greenest cities in Europe that absolutely attracted me here. So I moved to Sheffield University. And up until a couple of years ago, I'd enjoyed the city's trees just as a regular citizen. I had a few different jobs in different areas. But it it really struck me how important the trees were when the street tree campaign was rumbling on in Sheffield. And specifically, uh, a street near me that I was walking, commuting along every day on my way to work, some street trees along there that I adored every every day made my walk much more enjoyable. And um, one of the trees on that street was felled. And on the day that it was felled, I was walking home and I could see straight away that the tree was gone. And it just struck me there and then that I needed to go and work for trees. And that 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 trees need to be part of my full-time career and not just a passion. And Long story short, that led me to join the Woodland Trust. I started looking for roles to get into the sector and it's been a big learning curve ever since. Um, I joined the Woodland Trust campaigning team working on the tree charter and many of the groups who were campaigning for the trees in Sheffield had been involved in the tree charter. So I already knew some familiar faces and I got really passionate about community engagement around woods and trees and yeah, I stayed in that role working on the tree charter for a couple of years before realising that my passion is really urban trees and that urban connection. A lot of people live in urban areas and building that support and engagement around woods and trees in cities is so important and having trees near where people live is so important. And so I joined the Trust Urban Team in January last year specifically to focus on greening our cities and protecting trees in urban areas. So my role is urban projects officer and my day-to-day role is around protecting urban trees and looking now forwards to influencing policy for, for the benefit of woods and trees and engaging communities in that process. How fantastic. It's really nice to have that very personal story as well, you know, because each one of us who works in trees has a moment where they think this has just got to be my career. And and Tree Lady Talks is a massive fan of the Woodland Trust. So listeners, if you haven't already heard the two episodes on the Woodland Trust earlier in our season one, do, do check them out. But coming back to Sheffield, tell us about the work you're doing specifically in the city, the good stuff that's happening now. Sheffield has been one of the, the biggest areas of our, our work in, in the urban team, the Woodland Trust, now since the, the campaign started here. 
We've been working with the Street Tree Partnership and myself and my colleague Joe Cole sit on that partnership, supporting the amazing work that that group of individuals and, and organisations are doing to change the story really for trees in the city and to build a positive relationship going forward so that we can turn what was a slightly disastrous situation into a much more positive one going forward. And so our work with the partnership is really feeding in our, our expertise as a woodland and uh, tree charity to, to support those ongoing conversations and to support that shift really from a place of conflict, one of resolution and now much more positive uh, outlook going forward. So tell us about the partners that you're working with. So the Street Tree Partnership includes both us from Woodland Trust. It includes Sheffield and Rotherham Wildlife Trust, STAG, Sheffield Tree Action Groups, as well as representatives from the council and from Amy. And is there a sort of collective feeling of let's get the job done well now? Is there, a, is there almost a palpable sense of excitement? There's absolutely a, a palpable sense of commitment to, to making sure that uh, we, we have a positive move forward and to deliver the street tree strategy that has been developed together on that partnership. So the new street tree strategy was launched last year. That involved a, a lot of commitment and work to make to draw together actually what do we want the city's street tree management to look like going forward and how can we engage multiple audiences in developing that strategy so that it's a collective effort. That street tree partnership really has worked together solidly from difficult beginnings to now very much more positive relationships to develop that strategy and to look now forward to implementation. And I think one of the most uh, fundamental things is the relationships that have been built on that Street Tree Partnership. It's a group of committed individuals who have that collective vision of a strategy for Sheffield, for Sheffield's trees um, that, that's shared and ultimately everyone on that on that partnership is committed to making sure it becomes a reality and it's taken you know time to form those relationships to look at hurdles that have needed to be overcome um but that's i think that that commitment and that dedication to achieving a shared vision and ambition for the city and for the city's trees has meant that it, it's been a real um a real positive experience ultimately even if there have been challenges along the way Tell us about the key outcomes that you wish to happen from the tree strategy. The tree strategy has uh, a number of core areas. It sets out how tree management should happen in the city. So it has a wide range of areas. Um, but some key targets are set out in there, including um, consultation with local residents, making sure that the species choice is correct, right tree, right place. The strategy has a, a whole set of uh, key objectives and the six key areas that we would like to, to see happen to make sure that the trees, the city's trees are managed appropriately going forward. Um, and I think the most exciting part around that is that, you know, that the community are engaged and consulted. And that's the key way to make sure that, you know, trees are, are cared for and managed appropriately going forward. So with the community consultation, how do you reach people who might not ordinarily lean towards getting involved with this? Do you do a mail drop or do you put notices outside the property? Tell me how, what that looks like in practice. Well, one of the exciting things to come out of Sheffield is uh, the government's new duty to consult that we'll be going through uh, <laughs> eventually. And we should see it being such a requirement that communities are consulted uh, 
the exciting thing about Sheffield is we're trialing that and it's almost groundbreaking. Um, any tree that previously is due to have any works done to it, we felt there hasn't necessarily been a need to consult the community, although a letter may have gone out to local residents to inform them of the works and a notice put on the tree to inform local residents of the works. Under the new street tree strategy, um, there is a new online process where any tree that's due to be felled for whatever reason, um, and that's whether, you know, whether it's dead or dying or causing a hazard to the highway, that will go through an online consultation process where local residents can go on and comment on what their feelings are or thoughts on that uh, proposed felling. And that consultation will be uh, filtered back through to the council who can then take a look see how local residents are feeling about it, see what feedback they've received, and then review the process. So the street tree strategy includes a process flow chart that sets out how that process is going to work. And what it means is local residents will now have a say. And we know that that's so fundamentally important to, uh, you know, really successful management works and ensuring the, the local community are engaged appropriately. And I see my role at Woodland Trust, you know, the number of inquiries we receive, thousands uh, from local residents who have had trees perhaps heavily pollarded or removed from their street. And the upset it causes, not only anger and outrage, but actually pure upset and um, devastation because it's the trees outside people's windows that they see every day and they hold dear and, uh, you know, come to know really closely. And I think Carrying that that experience, seeing those raw emotions that come through to us at Woodland Trust and being able to share that on the Street Tree Partnership. You know, trees aren't just something to be managed in a, uh, you know, in, in a professional sense. And we know that that's fundamentally important because, you know, trees do pose a danger when they're on, on the highways. But bringing that kind of experience of this is how people feel about trees and it needs to be reflected in any sort of ongoing management strategy. I think is really valuable and to see the street tree partnership pushing forward with this uh, consultation process so it's all set out on the council's website it means that um hopefully going forward we won't have the the conflicts that we've seen in the past because people will have felt that they've had a say um and you know that was true for the, the development of the strategy itself once the draft version was created it went out to consultation with the public via an online platform um, unfortunately, it went out during the middle of the COVID pandemic, and so any face-to-face consultation that we would have liked to have done on it couldn't couldn't be done. But the online um, consultation meant that people had the opportunity to have a say on how they felt about the strategy. And going forward to its implementation, um, it, it now means that it's it's a shared document that the community have helped to create. And by by having this consultation on every tree that's proposed for felling uh there shouldn't there shouldn't be conflict because hopefully people come to that understanding and having had a say i would love people to take a look at the consultation process on the council's website for trees that are due to be felled because it really demonstrates how these from what has come from difficult a difficult past is now setting you know setting the bar for consultation going forward in the future for local authorities to say here's how you can ask local residents what they feel about the tree that's going to be felled. well we're going to put a link to that on our website we've got a new website listeners treeladytalks.co.uk so check out the show notes for this episode and look at it yourself because this could be a really good model 
moving forward to the rest of the UK. Has this started now? Are people able to go onto the website and make comments on trees that are being removed? Yes, it's already started. And first one or two trees that have been due to be felled have gone out for consultation via this process. And it's proving very successful. We're really fortunate to have members of STAG, Sheffield Traction Groups, who have trialled the process and will go on and comment and encourage local residents to do so. And the process is working really well. So if somebody lives in a street, they don't give a monkeys about trees. They don't even think about them or they think they don't care. Um, but the trees outside of their front door, how will they know to go onto the website? Really interesting question. I mean, hopefully they will have noticed uh, the notices that still go up on the trees outside and letter drops through local residents' doors. I'm really hoping that potentially through the new local tree warden scheme that's been established as a result of the of the situation in Sheffield will mean that those, res- those tree wardens can go around and have those conversations with local residents and encourage them to go on and respond. I'm also thinking this is a really great research project. Imagine that you've got two years of residents' consultation responses to trees. It might, take, might be a snapshot of how society feels about its street trees in a way that's never been conducted on this scale before. If this data is going to be collected without putting people's names or addresses on it, so it's completely anonymous, um, that it could be used in a social science study. I'm absolutely sure that it could, and I'm sure it could be anonymised. I mean, the, the information and the comments that are made on any on the consultation are made publicly available. We are actually having, uh, con- you know, we've been considering talking to the universities about potential research projects as a result of the work the Street Tree Partnership is doing, and Sheffield has two great universities. So I think there is definitely huge potential from a social science perspective. And what about tree planting? There will be tree plant tree planting in Sheffield. Sheffield has recently been awarded Woodland Trust funding, Woodland Trust Emergency Tree Fund funding, to deliver a, a wide range of projects across Sheffield. Working with Catherine Nutkins, the community forest community forestry manager, and Sheffield Council in, in more widely and across our street tree work to to deliver what they're calling the Tree Vitalised Project. So. Wooden Trust was so confident in the positive relationships that have now been formed in Sheffield and positive work being done in the city to award this funding. And through this funding, a whole range of street tree planting is going to be taking place, both across parks and, and green spaces more generally, through a process of mapping what spaces the council has and where they can plant, but also supporting some community initiatives where the community would like more street trees. And that will be trialled through the Tree Vitalised Project uh, Stag has already looked at potential sites in an area of Sheffield called Nether Edge, and there's an amazing community group called Abbeydale Street Trees, which was a grassroots campaign that got started in January 2020 to look at how trees can be planted along one of the most busy arterial routes into the city called Abbeydale Road. It's a, it's a hot spot for pollution. They're a really active group and they contacted not only the council, but also Amy and various different organisations to see how planting could happen on that road. And they've already identified 30 potential planting sites with the council and with Amy. And we're hoping that planting is going to start in those um, on those sites in the next year or so, hopefully the next planting season. And they're going to be a really good trial for tree vitalising, getting some more urban street trees 
in the ground. And I'm guessing because they are urban street trees, they're going to be quite large when you plant them, sort of heavy standards, three or four metres tall, etc. Is that correct? Yes, all being well. And I don't have many of the details yet, but that's what we will be looking at. Because of that, I'm guessing that local residents couldn't necessarily get involved with the planting easily. But could they get involved with the watering? Is that part of the ethos here that you would encourage local residents to get involved with looking after that newly planted tree? Yes, absolutely. And the new Sheffield Tree Warden Scheme is going to be heavily involved in making sure that all new street trees are planted across the city. And we do hope that there will be community consultation and involvement in tree planting and especially with street tree planting. Abbeydale street trees themselves conducted a whole range of surveys along Abbeydale Road with local businesses and with local residents who were walking by to ask them, do you want to see more trees on your street? And overwhelmingly, over 70% of businesses were very supportive and over 80% of residents were very supportive. They've already actually identified private spots of land along Abbeydale Road to do some tree planting or hedgerow planting already. And the, the community response has been overwhelmingly supportive with people coming out on the day to say, how can I get involved? How can I support your project? And in fact, one, one man who lives in a flat overlooking one of the planting sites came out, walked into Tesco's where the planting was done, handed a bag of brioche to the group and said, I love what you're doing. I'd love to help plant and here's some brioche. <laughs> oh, oh that's you. brilliant. So, yes, definitely. It's going to be uh, engaging the community as much as possible and especially in watering trees, especially as we're facing such high temperatures with the onset of climate change. So, yeah. Brilliant. And it's quite an easy message to sell, isn't it? Particularly to young people. It's so great that so many people are infused by trees. But there are always some groups in society who haven't got the time or the inclination or it's just not their thing. Um, I wonder if you're interested in reaching those other groups of people and if so, how you might do so. Yes, we're absolutely interested in reaching a diverse range of people and cities are the most ideal place to do that. And Sheffield, absolutely, we're such a diverse city. We're, we're blessed to have a community forestry team who are already doing a lot of outreach across the city to engage diverse groups in planting trees. And it's definitely been part of the discussions on the Street Tree Partnership that any planting, for example, street tree planting trails that happen in leafier, greener areas are replicated elsewhere. So where we're trialling street tree planting, for example, along Abbeydale Road, we hope it will be replicated in other parts of the city. And I really think that engaging young people is going to be a key part of that, going into schools and engaging groups um, all across all postcodes in the city, reaching young people is a key part of it. But the Street Tree Partnership has continued to consider what more can be done to engage diverse groups. And in fact, it was one of the key points that came out of the responses to the Street Tree Strategy was how are you going to to both green the, the less green parts of the city, but also how are you going to engage diverse um, audiences? And it's something that we're still discussing and still considering and still working on, but there is that, that commitment there to work on it. And I think because of what's happened in the past, there is a bit of a spotlight on Sheffield. And so there's a real opportunity for other areas to learn on what, you, what you're doing. It's kind of pioneering, isn't it, with the, the online platform for consultation on tree loss and tree works um, and also learning from other areas as well so I'm guessing that you have a wider network of knowledge sharing other projects. 
Absolutely. And I think Chef Sheffield has opened up the conversation for trees more widely across the UK. We, the, I joined Woodland Trust in 2018 and the number of meetings I went into where Sheffield was mentioned, you know, Sheffield, uh, you know, from, from a negative perspective, but now moving forward to that constructive, positive, forward focus in terms of how we manage not only our street trees, but uh, our whole urban forest. And I think there is a lot of learning to, to take out there, but there's some great initiatives happening in other places. And I think this is the important thing the world is waking up to how important trees are. Sheffield has been part of opening that message, that that realisation up and engaging communities. I think it's come together really well, more broadly, not only in Sheffield, um, and hopefully now because of what happened in Sheffield and the achievements that the Street Tree Partnership has made and with our new Street Tree strategy, it will help support other local authorities who are also recognising how important their street trees and wider urban forest is. So it's it's ultimately been a really, really positive thing. Yes, it's really important. And there are areas of the country that have different viewpoints. I had a difficult conversation with a client today about a, a site and, and was really able to reiterate what had happened in Sheffield and in other parts of the country and um, how they really need to think differently. So it is a game changer. I really sense in my own private consultancy that the mood is different, you know, things are opening up. We are, we can just say, you simply can't now. Maybe five years ago you could have done this, but um, yes, things are looking a lot more positive. Not everybody likes trees, do they, Sarah? There are a lot of people who hate trees. And, or, or I say, hate's a strong word, and we hear that a lot, and we hear that a lot when talking to tree officers. You know, tree officers often hear the negatives. It's the, the leaves dropping on the car, or it's, it's the bird poo destroying paintwork, or it's a trip hazard, or it's this, or it's that. And, you know, it can feel overwhelming, all the hazards to overcome. And I think talking to, to some members of the public, local residents, You often hear the, in fact, I had this in the local park recently. I've been passionate about trees for a long time. I took it, you know, I started working for the Woodland Trust a few years ago. And just a couple of weeks ago, I went for a walk in the park with a friend who is very supportive of uh, Woodland Trust and our work. And we bumped into her sister and her sister uh, said, my friend said, this is Sarah, you know, who works for Woodland Trust. And her sister said, oh, yes, well, I do like trees. But it really, it, the tree on my street, it's really distracting when I'm pulling onto my drive. <laughs> and um, that to me summed up, you know, I like trees, but, and we hear that a lot. You've had an eye tree study carried out in Sheffield. Tell us a little bit about the process of that and key outcomes. So the eye tree study was commissioned as part of the ongoing work of the Street Tree Partnership and looking at how we manage our street trees going forward. And it produced some really interesting findings. So the, the benefits of Sheffield's trees to the city, it, there is over 21% canopy cover, helping to sequester many tonnes of carbon and the value of the Sheffield trees alone are in the millions. So we know that they're producing a huge amount of benefit to the city. For listeners who want to find out more about iTree, there is a Treeconomics episode. Crikey, I'm, I'm, I'm advertising the podcast like Billio today, but there is a full feature length episode on iTree studies with Treeconomics. 
So finally, Sarah, what is your dream scenario for Sheffield's trees? I would love to see uh, the canopy cover in Sheffield increasing to at least 30%, something that Woodland Trust sets out in our emergency tree plan. I'd love to see every resident in the city having a view of street trees, trees near them, both on their streets, in their local parks and neighbourhoods, being a city that really loves and values its trees with everyone engaged in caring for and looking after them and valuing them for the benefits that they provide and managed appropriately with communities really consulted on their management and engaged in caring for them. So really a city that has for long played on its green heritage and a city that has, you know, one of the greenest cities in Europe, really continuing that legacy and moving, continuing to move from a city that's been kind of highlighted for its its loss of trees and the felling massacre that happened here, moving forward to being recognised as a city that actually has an amazing canopy cover and an amazing urban forest and committed citizens and engaged communities who love and, and enjoy their woods and trees. Sarah Shirley, it's been an absolute joy to speak to you. Really exciting times for Sheffield. Thank you. Thank you. Now, we haven't had one of these for quite a while, but it's time. It's time. I can't wait for this. Those question of the week. So, Sarah, the question I want to ask you is, who does the stock control for the Woodland Trust? What a marvellous question. Because you're being asked for so many trees all the time. Who is the guy? Is there one guy who sort of sits there and goes, yeah, we've got enough trees for next week? We don't know about the week after, though. Any idea? We have a massive team, um, uh, an amazing team, who work on sending out all of our trees. So those include our community tree packs for schools and communities. And then we have our Moorwood scheme, which is around working with landowners to to send out thousands of trees, uh, working with them. And uh, that team will look at what our planting rates were in the previous year, set some targets for the following year, and then work with the nurseries we work with to, to access those trees for the following year. And that was Lowe's Question of the Week. Now, do you remember Mabel? Well, Mabel and her mum Anna and her sister are part of a group. To start with, Sharon asked Anna to tell her a little bit about kids plant trees. I joined a group a few years ago um, we kind of set up as um, something called Sheffield Green Parents and it was basically parents who wanted to get involved with green activism but most of the green activism groups met of an evening and that's really hard when you've got really little children and um, so we started to meet in the day uh, with our little ones in tow there was always a little one in tow so we'd take snacks um and yeah we'd often just be sat there feeding and chatting about um green issues that affect Sheffield and that affect families so so Sheffield Green Parents were lobbying the council we did a a climate march through the city centre uh, so over a thousand um families with kids and um well we had belly dancers and banners and it was and music and um so we marched through the city centre again to lobby Sheffield City Council but what we wanted to do is something practical and tactical with the children and and so 
kids plant trees was born um and we now yeah we plant trees and the children get fully involved fully hands-on and um we've planted just over three thousand trees so far and we work with the we work with Sheffield City Council on those planting events um and we had just got going um we were three months into it when um when lockdown happened so it's it hasn't been as much planting that we'd like over the last year um but we have launched a project called uh, kids plant trees go wild and the aim of that is to um so the aim of that is to we want every child in sheffield to have access to um, a wild natural place to play um, and we want them to be great for nature and great for kids. And we want to get a wild, a wild play space in every school and every public park so that children have a wild space to play on their doorstep. And at the same time, we are combating the problem with nature and wildlife by giving them a place that they can thrive too. How brilliant. And how many members of Kids Plant Trees are there roughly? So we had a handful of planting events um, before lockdown started and we were amazed at the at the turnout. For each one, we had 80 to 120 people. Gosh. So it was clear that families in Sheffield want to do something for nature and wildlife. It was clear that they felt compelled to come along and take part in our free events. Uh, and, and one of the events literally days before lockdown you know there were there was 200 people we know that families want to do this and we know it's something that's beneficial for for the environment as well fantastic so i'm going to go over now to mabel age nine mabel what do you think about planting trees do you enjoy it i enjoy it a lot and i like the digging part the best and when you've been digging have you found any surprises underground any worms? Um, some stones. And once I dug down, but um, the spade stopped, so I tipped over, and there was a massive stone underneath. <laughs> couldn't get, couldn't get through. Yeah. And and why do you like trees? I like them because they produce lots of fruit, and because they give us oxygen and suck in the bad pollution i think excellent and how many trees have you planted do you think but one of them i planted quite a lot about 10 i think is it 10 yeah 10 or 15 um i think altogether i think i've planted about 25 that's fantastic and do you plant trees with your friends well, do your friends go along as well to these planting days? Sometimes, but not a lot. Some do. You do it with your siblings, don't yeah, you? Yeah, siblings. Siblings. So brother and little sister get involved a lot. Yeah. And do you have a favourite tree? My favourite tree is an oak tree. And why do you love oak trees? They're my favourite tree as well. I like them because of the bark and their big leaves. Excellent. They're a home to so much wildlife as well. So getting involved with kids' plants, trees, do you feel that you've learnt a lot? Yeah. 
I've definitely learned a lot about animals and a lot about trees and what different sort of trees. And you talk about it when you go to school and see your friends? Yes. And what do they think about it? Do they think you're a crazy tree hugger? Um, well, my friend Heidi um, likes trees. Um, I actually did a few projects on it um, and I did a few banners at school and a few like videos um, about how important wildlife was and we need to save it. My friend Heidi um, helped me and my other friend Amelia was very like, she helped as well quite a lot. So what would you say to anyone listening, any boys and girls thinking, I want to get involved with that? Because you're outdoors a lot and fresh air is very good than staying indoors and you get stronger definitely and it's just lots of fun as well because you might plant a little sapling and then a few years later it might turn into a little tree and then soon when you're very older it will be a massive tree and you can just watch it grow. So when you're a grown-up, you can go back to these woodlands and walk through and you think, wow, I planted that. That's amazing. Yeah. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Mabel. That was excellent. Anna, tell us what's happening on Friday, the 21st of May. So as Sheffield Green Parents and Kids Plant Trees have joined with other green organisations across the city, um, including uh, Sheffield and Rotherham Wildlife Trust, uh, Sheffield Greenpeace, Sheffield Friends of the Earth, the Diocese of Sheffield, Sheffield Climate Alliance, um, and Althorpe Field Action Group, um, and we have we have taken it upon ourselves ultimately to declare a nature emergency for Sheffield. So we're asking businesses, schools, organisations, individuals, families to join us uh, in declaring. So it's this Friday, the 21st of May. And we, we simply want people to say on social media, it, it put posters in their window. We want them to say, I declare a nature emergency for Sheffield or we declare a nature emergency for Sheffield. And we know that this is the first kind of step in a big plan it's not the answer it's not the it's the start of the plan um, and there's a long way to go but we want to put a, a, a strategy in place for to help nature's recovery in Sheffield and where can people find out about you if they go to the wildlife trusts uh, the, the wildlife trusts website so it's um, wildsheffield.com and they will see on the opening page, um, will you join us to declare a nature emergency? And if they click into that and add their email and their um, name, we will send them everything they need for the day. We, are, we want more people to join after the day. Like I say, this is just the start of the nature emergency and Sheffield's nature recovery plan. And where can people find out about Kids Plant Trees? Mabel, would you like to tell people where they can find you on social media? A lot of people talk about trees, I think, on it. And I think maybe they might say something about Kids Plant Trees. 
so we have um, a Facebook page, which is Kids Plant Trees. We have um, Instagram, again, Kids Plant Trees. And we've just launched a website. So it is, it's kidsplanttrees.org. Mabel, in 10 years' time, when you're 19, what do you want Sheffield to look like? I definitely want it to look like there's more woods and there's not as much. If I look at um, where we live, we've got a lovely view, but part of the view, I can see lots of like chopped down trees where trees used to be in like brown where places like over there where there's like big brown patches and I would like it so there's no big brown patches there's no chopped down trees and there's more like wild flower gardens and they just let it woods kind of grow wild instead of kind of like trimming them down a bit. Anna what was your motivation? I'm doing everything at the moment to secure a future, the future of you know nature and wildlife for my children. Um, my children are my motivation for the nature emergency. Um, when they're older, I don't want them to say to me, "Why didn't you do something? Why haven't you done enough to save wildlife and to help nature?" So I want them to see that we're doing everything we can to rectify our wrongs. Lovely. I'm sure that's a vision we all share. Thank you both so much for joining us. Thank you. Take care. Bye. 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 I think that just goes to show that people power these days is having a bigger effect than ever before. And, And it just goes to show what people actually can do to make an impression on councils and and governing bodies who quite frankly get it wrong. Well, it's a bit like what happened in football recently. This is very true. Give us your football link. I have almost no sport news. I was relying on you to do the intelligent segue there. I know nothing. No, I'm quite happy to do that. Um, In intelligent football segue news, the uh, people power that stopped the European Super League from happening. I mean, you know, if people actually realise that they have a voice and they can make a difference, you know, sometimes it works for the better. And Sheffield, I think, is actually going to come out of this better than where it was before all this started, ironically. That's why we wanted to put this podcast out there, to give the people of Sheffield a voice on positivity. So well done, everybody. Yeah, well done, Sheffield. I think it's great. Not only not only do you make marvellous stainless steel, but you're now going to have an absolutely brilliant green infrastructure. It's great there. And well, how are we going to follow that? We have got a bit of a scoop. I'm going to be interviewing Peter Woolenburn, who is the author of The Hidden Life of Trees, The Secret Network of Nature, and I'm going to interview him about his new book that's coming out in mid-June, The Heartbeat of Trees. We'll put a link on our website, treeladytalks.co.uk. And so I think that's all we got to say this week. And in the meantime, it's goodbye from me. It's goodbye from me, but don't forget, folks, we love your feedback. So does Compo. <laughs>